Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 37, titled The Art of Grieving with Preston Zeller. Preston Zeller is an artist with accomplishments across multiple mediums, including film, photography, art, and music. Following the death of his brother in 2019, Preston set out to paint for a year straight to process his own grief and share the experience along the way to stir conversations about how we deal with grief in our society. Each of the 365 paintings created a 10 by 20 foot mosaic and are the subject of his new feature lake documentary entitled The Art of Grieving. The documentary is coming out in a few weeks this summer, 2022, and Preston now helps others through grief by creating commemorative paintings using the ashes of the loved ones. His goal is to normalize grief conversations in culture and proliferate healthy ways of dealing with grief, which is exactly what we hear about at Restorative Grief. And the result for Preston? Well, he learned how to integrate his loss into healing through finding and uncovering his own unique sense of self. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to the Restorative Grief Podcast here with Mandy Capehart. My guest today is Preston Zeller. Hello, Preston. How are you? Hi, Mandy. Good. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, I, I love your story, the pieces of it that I've learned. And so it's such a unique opportunity for us on our show because most of the people who arrive here are grievers working through something and they've come up with like a formula or something that has helped them transform their losses or a person who is already a grief professional. And you're a lot more like me in that you are a creative who suffered a loss and then recognized your creativity could actually generate healing on your behalf and other people. And I just, I love that because that's really what drew me into you. So why don't you give us a little more context about that for our audience? Yeah, sure. So, um, my, I guess, story kind of, um, takes this launch point where my brother passes away and that's, you know, it was, uh, February, 2019. Um, prior to that, I've been an artist my whole life, um, variety of different mediums. Um, so a lot of photography, music, painting, um, uh, film. And of course, after my brother died, so he, he died from a, um, drug overdose, you know, of mm -hmm. course, uh, unintentional drug overdose, but, um, kind of hard to decipher, um, when, when they do happen. And yeah, I, I, after a while of kind of like exploring the art side of it, I was like, you know, I have to, from a practical sense, like really throw myself into, um, into something that's going to be really like start to heal me. So mm -hmm. I did that in the form of painting. I said, okay. Uh, in the same weekend I said, Hey, I'm going to paint every day for a year and I'm going to document it and share it. And then I'm going to, um, make a documentary out of this process somehow, hoping that it it helps um, other people. So that was 2019. It's what June 2022 now, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're just now getting ready to release the documentary. So a lot has happened. I didn't quite expect it to be 
this long. I mean, I'm, we're verging on three years now that I, I set out to do this project and, but, um, a lot of just pretty wild stuff has happened along the way. Um, opportunities opening up, of course, talking on podcasts like this, but so many other kind of, uh, wild things and realizing too, the more you get into this subject of grief, um, the different kinds of sort of professions that are, are sort of exist around this now, but also <clears throat> despite it, um, the lack of attention grief really gets and how I think really misunderstood it is in many ways. Yeah. Um, still. And, and you're like, well, people have been dying for really, you know, about They've as long as born. time as existed. Yep. So why are we still so terrible at like dealing with grief? <laughs> that's a, that's a troubling thing, especially, you know, if you, you think about, uh, and this, I, I kind of go off on rabbit rabbit trails here, but if you think about how, uh, you know, advanced we are in certain ways. I think there's, you know, you could argue this current state of humanity from many uh, angles, but if you go, yeah, we're so much more sort of knowledgeable and insightful and, you know, informed than any other generation, because we have so much knowledge at our fingertips, but really like we're not in so many ways. And you're like, well, how does that, how does that work? I think in many ways we've actually probably gone backwards, but I'll, I'll stop there for now. Cause I could go, uh, I could go down that one. You sound a lot like me. I do the same thing. I, I <laughs> ask a rhetorical question and then I find the answer and start going down the bunny trail and thinking, well, now I have to create this resource because that yeah. question deserves an answer. I, so I appreciate yeah. <laughs> the vastness of where your brain goes when you think about loss, because you said so many rich things in the middle of that and your willingness to investigate what was true and what needed to change and shift in the loss of, in the aftermath of losing your brother in such an awful way is really quite meaningful. And I think that that's where what you said about we're so terrible at dealing with grief, which makes no sense because we have so much knowledge and advancement. Well, the truth is grief is unknowable. You can't formulate, create a formula for someone that's going to work for someone else. You know, it's, yeah. it's the perpetually unanswerable question about why and what do we do now and how do we survive this? So I love mm -hmm. that you invested into your artwork. And I also kind of love that it took way longer than you expected Can you yeah. speak to that. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, the, even like the year of painting took longer. I mean, I, uh, the, I actually started the, um, year of painting and then, and then, and I was doing it, you know, of course every day and I was sharing it and, uh, about a month into it, I was in Washington state and got a, um, job in Texas. And so, you know, I'm, I'm married, I have three kids and we had to kind of like put life on hold and, you know, move down here. Well, that's a process. Um, I thought I would be like, oh, I'm going to paint anywhere I am. I'm, you know, if I'm on the road, I'll paint from the <laughs> hotel, I'll paint, you know, whatever. That's just nonsense um, <laughs> for me. I'm a very messy painter, so that wasn't really conducive. <laughs> but that kind of got put on hold. The interesting thing about that, though, too, was um, after, you know, I, I was I felt very um, 
I don't know, exposed or, um, you know, something was missing when I even went on that little, little break. I think it was about 30 or 45 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were kind of messaging me uh, on Instagram going like, Hey, you know, where's your next painting? I've been following this like, wow. You know, wow. 30 days. Um, that was kind of trippy. So <clears throat> anyways, uh, when I restarted at the beginning of the year, um, once we had moved to the house, we were, we were um, going to be living in, it was pretty smooth sailing from there. Then, you know, the doing a documentary, you're like, okay, well, um, you know, I started planning for that and then, and then filming it. And then we had to film more and more and more and more. And then, and then we're kind of editing it. I took a sabbatical from, um, my career and which is in marketing and to work on it. So I spent like a month and a half, just every day editing basically. And Mm. even then, you know, getting a lot of feedback. So, I mean, I guess the, the short of that is, you know, good things take time and it just kind of forces a, a, you know, patience to grow in you. And if it doesn't, you end up abandoning something that could otherwise be great, or you end up rushing through something that could otherwise be great. Or, you know, one of those things. Yeah. Oh, I love that within 30 days you had people wanting updates and who had personally invested in what you were processing because it's such a personal thing to decide to put your pain, so to speak on display. And you Mm. did it in a visceral way. And the fact that people were following your work meant something was resonating. You were bringing mm-hmm. an offering to people who were probably, you know, invested for the sake of the artwork itself, but also invested with the story behind it. And I feel that that's very, mm. it's such a meaningful thing to, to offer to other people. So you mentioned the film just briefly. Why don't you dive into this documentary and uh, talk about the intention behind it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I knew by going through this and I, I have a film background, by the way, that's like kind of what I okay. went to college for. And I worked in the film industry and um, I've done a lot of sort of, I guess, narrative stuff, n- narrative um, storytelling and um, sort of, I guess, philosophy and science behind that. And when I, you know, think about stories I've been interested in, I, th- I looked at like what was going on here. And I'm like, well, I, this seems like if I was watching this from an outsider perspective, it would be interesting, but let alone I, you know, I'm okay. Well, this is me experiencing this firsthand. It's kind of the, you know, aftermath of something really, really crappy. But, um, you know, if, if I can share this as a way of other people to relate and, and sort of, um, be inspired to look at their grief differently than I will. And so originally, um, I started, I had hired a story producer and we started working through um, the sort of story arc and what this could be, you know, what, what are we actually trying to tell here in a documentary? Cause you can go a million different ways. And, um, and granted, like I, I, it's not like I had someone following me around for two years and just, you know, filming every aspect of my life, you know, this is kind of trickier than that. So, um, we, the, the original sort of scope of what we had set out to do was actually to kind of turn this into a series where I was sort of more of this exploring character, looking at other people's unique grief journeys, 
and different aspects of grief. And that just became kind of untenable, you know, travel became weird and, you know, people became very guarded in the height of COVID stuff. So it was like, mm-hmm. people, you know, it's like, didn't want to meet up with you or anything like that. Or yeah. there's just a lot of barriers there, but I'm like, okay, I'm not going to let that kind of deter me. And at the end of the day, um, you know, when, when you're thinking about covering a sort of heavy topic, life, like grief, it can become very depressing. Like someone watches it and they're like, ah, you know, I don't want to watch this. It's just kind of like reliving how, you know, icky I feel with all these uh, emotions or like, uh, you know, the question kind of came to me of how do you cover this in a way where someone watches it and feels good about grief and comes away and feels encouraged and positive. That was really the goal. Um, So uh, you have to contrast it, you know, correctly too. It's not all, you know, I can't just portray it all as something all is good, but um, yeah, that, that was part of it. And then, you know, ultimately the learnings that I had had over that year of sharing the paintings and people saying like, just sharing their, um, own interpretations of paintings and all this kind of stuff, infusing that into the documentary. So it was almost like I had this, um, year plus to feel out what people were actually, what was actually resonating with people and making sure that I kind of like infuse that into the story. Mm. So it's as if the extra time, even though it didn't fit your original time frame, turned out to give the project and even your own grief process a depth that would not have necessarily been there in the first place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, totally. You know, you have more, more insight and the more, the more, you know, you share too, you start to get more insight and talk to people of different, different kinds of loss and different backgrounds and, and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. I love that you were entertaining the interpretations because normally when people are grieving and they have someone else bearing witness, right? We don't always want their interpretations or their insight or their reflections. And you've created a medium where you are working through and expressing grief in a way that is meaningful to you, but it is also a medium that is so therapeutic and approachable for other people to engage with it in a new way. And that is such a meaningful gift as a, a, from my perspective, as a grief professional, to be able to help someone find connections and realign with who they are and their purpose. That's a big deal. And I wonder if you know of anybody who maybe started their grief process with some art therapy after connecting with your work, or if that's something that you've, um, I know you're not a grief professional, so to speak, but that you do offer an incredible, uh, gift with, in conjunction with art and grieving. So, and you can say about, you can talk about, of course, what you do offer to people from your perspective, but, um, yeah. have you heard from anybody who has said like, oh my gosh, you've inspired me to try to do, I mean, maybe a week of painting every day because a year is mm-hmm. what professionals can do, but it's different. For, uh, the rest of us, of course. Well, uh, yeah. And actually to that note, like I was working a full-time job when I was doing my year of painting too. So yeah. it was, it was something I fit in, um, in the midst of everything, but there, there's been that actually one of the most rewarding things about people watching the, uh, documentary that I, I didn't expect to come so quickly 
is people saying, even on interviews, even like this, someone's going to listen to this and they're going to say, I have paints next to me or in the other room. I'm going to go try this or I'm going to go to the art store and buy it. Like people are that willing to um, just go try it. And that's amazing. And I encourage that too. And in fact, when, when I'm dealing with um, clients who want to do a commission uh, in for, for the personalized paintings, I always ask them, why don't you do this yourself? Mm. And just to get it very clear, because if, if they want to go do that, then go do that. Um, but there is an element of like, sometimes it's, it's just, you're too much in your own head. You're too much in your own way. And it just feels weird to go down that path of um, trying to express your own, you know, grief in that way. Um, so there, there's both ends of it, but yeah, definitely a lot of people who, um, want to go explore it on their own and see what works. I haven't had anyone come back and been like, Hey, I've been painting for 10 days and you know, (laughs) I'm so much clearer about life. I I haven't quite had that yet. Hopefully someday they will, but yeah, where all this is kind of led and part of what you're uh, asking about is doing it for other people. So, um, sort of because of my background with, um, like branding and a lot of like color theory and, and just things of that nature. Um, and, and this sort of process I went through, I developed all these different techniques visually, but then also, um, a way of sort of absorbing someone's like relationship, quite frankly, with, with the person. And I use that to sort of retell their story, but in this visual way, that's very, uh, you know, that's unique to their uh, relationship. Um, and that's, that is one of the most sort of on a personal level, gratifying things that I get to do because there's, I've, I've never heard of anyone doing anything like this. So, um, it's, and, and I know that it's kind of birthed out of my own experience. So, yeah. I think it's an incredible way to offer, a a witness to someone else's story. And that even as you were talking about with the documentary and hiring a story producer to come alongside and create the narrative that makes sense, right? All I could hear was he recognized the value of bringing alongside a witness, a, a someone who can hold space and see things differently than we do when we're in the middle of our grief story and help us reintegrate and uncover what is it that we're pursuing? What are we trying to express and how is it going to change us and other people? And so it's such a beautiful process and way to express the grief and the grieving process in a creative outlet, because I'm sure you've experienced this too. When you say, well, give, give it a shot yourself. Well, oh, I don't paint. I don't write. I'm not creative. You are creative. And the truth is, well, actually we can all be creative. You're just assigning value to the outcome that hasn't yet existed. And so Mm. how beautiful to present an opportunity to someone to say, well, actually I'm going to push back a little bit here and challenge you to try creating. I would love to do it on your behalf, but it's also within you, especially when you grieve, you never know what's going to come to the surface. Yeah. And you know, the, the sort of I'm not a creative person thing. Um, it, it's that that's sort of an ironic statement because people have to be creative all the time in different ways. Yep. Even when you're driving, you have to like think creatively in a sense of uh, how you're going to 
to change lanes and not yes. cause a big car accident, right? I mean, it's not in like the ooh fun visual, you know, way or audible way or whatever it is, but you're still using that. I, I think the thing people get most hung up on is what is somebody else going to think yeah. of this painting, which is not much different than what is somebody going to think if I just break down and cry right now, or what's somebody else going to think if I'm, uh, if I share with them that so-and-so in my life just died and and I don't, you know, nothing feels right right now. You know, you're just kind of very raw with your emotions. And in some ways, I think that's maybe scarier for people is like, Hey, let me project my, my feelings onto this creative piece where I don't feel as though I'm creative. And now I'm actually just like putting um, a face to my um, sorrow. So where I, where, you know, you feel like as a person, you can hide it. And, you know, it's just, it, it just feeds into that thing. So um, when people do say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go paint. I'm like, yes, please uh, go do that. Um, I hope after this documentary comes out, like paint supplies, like, the sales soar, you know, worldwide shortage. Everybody really needs cerulean blue, but it's not available anymore. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh man. Uh, You're not wrong though. There's something extremely meaningful to painting. I used to paint. I haven't made time with all of my new projects, but I, I had forgotten until you mentioned it just now, a few years ago, a friend of mine miscarried and her sister commissioned me to do a painting for them as a gift. Mm. And the pressure, the Mm. intensity, the emotional upheaval in my own life, because I had had miscarriages as well. I was just like, okay, well, I'm not going to push this off, but I have got to make space for this. And it was one of the most beautiful restorative things that I could have done even for me to create this piece, knowing full well, I had questions the whole time. Are they going to love this? Are they going to hate it? Is it too abstract? Mm -hmm. Is it not abstract enough? Is this how do you overcome and really create something that is a meaningful piece for the, the client you're working with in these custom memorial paintings that you create? Yeah. Well, so that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, a lot of it is about kind of like de-risking what the sort of end piece is, right? Okay. So- I love that word. De-risking. Okay, <laughs> go on. Yeah, right. I, I think every every creative that's had something commissioned, you want to yeah de-risk it as much as possible. So, um, what you know, we basically go through a series of exercises that make the blueprint. So, the first one or two times we meet, um, aside from by the way, like leading up to someone actually saying yes, I want to sort of like invest in this process. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the process, we're going through in one or two sessions. Um, really the, the sort of good, bad, and ugly of your relationship with this person. Mm. And, and that's where they, they really get to like, in, in some cases probably say things they've never really verbalized or whatever the case. Cause they're like, Oh, well, I know this is good. This is being like sort of funneled into a, a good purpose. Um, and it's not going to be lost. That's the other thing. It's different than like talk therapy where you're like the word dissipates and then, um, that's something um, Lindsay uh, talks about in, in the documentary, but so they get to share their story. And then um, once we've kind of plumbed the depths of that enough, then we actually go into these series of creative exercises where we start actually attributing keywords and colors and describing the meaning of all this kind of stuff to the person in that relationship. Um, then we actually go through um, 
examples of paintings. And again, fortunately, I have like, you know, a, a crazy amount now, not that we go through all those, but like I will, based on conversations with the person, pick certain ones and then we'll go through those and call out like, you know, probably about 10, 12 paintings and say, hey, mm -hmm. here's a style I use and here's how it was used here. Does this resonate with you? Why or why, why not? And so they kind of pick which paintings they like. And then bet so between all that stuff, it really um, demystifies what I'm actually doing. And I, but I will say, like, despite all that, it's still a process because when I go to present the painting, this isn't like I'm, hey, you know, give me a picture of your house or I'm doing a portrait and, you know, here's mid phase and three quarters phase. It's not like that. It's like, no, once I get all the information, I have to go and do it. And you're probably not going to see it till like the end. So I show it to them. There's usually like a few options. If someone's like, ah, you know, let's do this. Generally not. They don't go that route. I distill the most important parts of their story as I heard them back to them through the painting. And so in that way, when they get it, they can then do the same thing. Um, and already I've found that as I talk follow up with people and talk to them, they've already found other meaning in this painting mm -hmm. that I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't expect. And that's part of the whole point is, you know, in 10 years, 15 years, whatever day to day, you may look at it and see something and like, wow, this strikes me differently this, this day. So so when did you realize or have you realized that you have become a grief supporter? Like you are a grief educator. You're grieving, teaching people how to work through active grieving in that entire yeah. process. Well, it's, it's kind of funny because I, it's a lot of people have said to me, this is therapeutic. Of course, I can't like, sure. you know, technically say this is not technically it's, a, it's not meaningful. technically right <laughs> in Nobody's so many me. words this has yeah. been said um but yeah it, it is uh in that vein for sure it's and that's the kind of the interesting thing about it is i i didn't really set out to be like a sort of counselor or a therapist in the grief space by any means and um i don't really call it that um I, I would say it is therapeutic um, without saying it's therapy. I, you know, I didn't, yeah, again, I didn't really set out to do that. It was just like, I sort of created this thing for myself and then was like, oh, well, surely other people can benefit from this and then kind of retrofitted it for as a service. And the reaction I've had from people um, who, who go through it has been sort of beyond what I thought. Yeah. Because they get to kind of uh, stare at this like mirror that is a, of their relationship. Mm -hmm. And they've never had something that represents that. And, you know, I talk about this on um, my, my site a little bit where, you know, if you have an object, it's just an object. If you have um, remains, well, they're usually like kind of stuck in a, a you know, um, urn or you know, even if they're in like a form of an urn, um, it's still kind of an urn. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is actually post humus um, for that person? What is personalized to you that you can enjoy that is not like a negative thing? It's a really kind of weird line to walk. 
And that's, mm -hmm. I think, where the art kind of um, strikes that balance. Whether, you, again, right, you do it for yourself or um, you go and um, you work with someone like me. Yeah. How would you describe the documentary in terms of accessibility for someone who is actively grieving? So if they're like, say there's a listener who's like, okay, it's still really fresh for me or because there's a window, right? There's a window where we say there are resources. You don't need any of them right now. <laughs> right, so where right. would you, how would you present it for people in that, that are kind of in between? So I, I, it's kind of hard to uh, sort of blanket it because I have, um, you know, in uh, one example, I, I think from the documentary to some degree is, is people who are 20, 30 years removed from their grief experience that like the, the thing that really kind of like um, was, was uh, you know, I guess soul crushing for lack of a better word but they're still, they don't think it's a thing for them anymore. Like, ah, why would I, why would I, why would I even consider this? Even if they were mm -hmm. forced to watch it, why would I consider this? Um, that, you know, I, I'm not in this camp, but um, I, I think it has the potential to reach people in, in a variety of phases. Now, if it's, you know, a week after, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I've talked to so many people who, um, of course they're like, they're a wreck. Um, but again, like, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do? Are you, are you willing to actually, you know, consider that you're in control to do something about your grief that you don't have to be mm -hmm. just in like a sort of depressive state. And that's, that's why I do think it's, it's, um, for me, it was important that I told my story, um, opening, so that people could connect right away and then see, okay, how I took this different approach. So um, I, I've heard people in so many different, different phases who watched it in like kind of the test uh, screenings that I've done that have all sort of um, got different things out of it. And people at different ages too. I've People with kids have watched it. Um, certainly older people have watched it. Um, and at the very least, I think people go, oh, well, grief doesn't have to be, you know, this sort of just endlessly depressing thing. <laughs> but and then beyond that, they start to go, huh, makes them think a little bit. I have actually had quite a few people too start to rethink, um, rethink different times of grief that they've had. Be like, did I actually like actually resolve anything there or, or actually address it? Or or did I just you know, push it down. Cause it, we, you know, we talk, um, there's, so what I wanted to do to kind of answer your original question more, <laughs> what I wanted to do is make sure that, um, it wasn't just my story being told that there was this sort of clinical perspective in it. And so that's why, uh, Lindsay from the art therapy project is in it because she talks about grief and, and really grief from like different things as well. Um, a, you know, trauma and like the broader sense of things, but uh, as like these things that are often unresolved in people. And so um, that that's actually kind of the, the strange uh, aspect, I, I think of the documentary is you could start off watching it because someone is like, Hey, it's about grief. And, you know, 
but, and they're like, man, you know, maybe they haven't had that experience, but they have had some other kind of like really negative thing in their life. Um, because when we talk about like sexual assault as an example, mm-hmm. um, that's a pretty prevalent thing. Right. Uh, unfortunately, and it addresses that in a way where like, actually art could help that as well. So it's not mm-hmm. just about, you know, losing somebody. Yeah. I appreciate that because grief is a multitude of things. It comes from breakups. It comes from unmet expectations from violence in our lives, from uh, so many angles. So I appreciate that your Mm -hmm. film took the time to validate those other arenas of loss where we just don't know what we don't know. And, And to your point where we've compartmentalized and survived instead of investigating and becoming intentional with grief and that process. So where can people find examples of your work to see both like the artwork and we'll talk about the the film itself in a minute, but um, going, jumping back and forth again um, to (laughs) the, the paintings, the ones that people are like, Oh, where are they? And are you still painting? It's been three years. Did you stop Mm -hmm. after a year for your own process or are you continuing yeah, no, I so I still certainly paint. Um, I go I go through spurts where I'm painting more often or less often. Mm-hmm. I just you know I take little breaks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean one of the easiest ways to see it is um, just go on Instagram and you know you find my um, just go to Preston Zeller and um, it's there. And then I have links to my site, which kind of explains the process a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time this is out, actually. Um, I may, the, the huge mosaic from the documentary may actually be in a, um, um, gallery in Austin. So who, who knows, um, by this time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, online is the easiest way to see, um, the work. You're right. By the time this is out, the film will be out. How can people view it? Yeah. So as of now, um, it's going to be on Zumo, the streaming platform. So it's, it's X U M O. Um, so that's an app you can put on your, you know, TV or phone, whatever, just like you would HBO or something like that, or Netflix, it's a streaming platform. So that's the only one I know of as far as now, uh, as now goes, and we're waiting to hear back on more. So Hopefully it'll be on some others. Uh, Hopefully it'll show. I bet Netflix is going to pick this thing up so quickly. Uh, (laughs) How do I help? uh, That would be, I just need everyone to write into them. Um, Yeah. What, what actually is helpful is um, if someone's listening to this and they go watch it, go onto imdb.com. If you don't know about that, it's just a big uh, rating website. Um, but imdb.com and go find it and then, you know, give the film a rating, uh, hopefully a good rating, but a 10 that rating, actually, obviously that's implied, <laughs> but that actually, um, will help us. Cause there's an algorithm for how these films get picked up in, um, on, on the platform that's helping us distribute it. So, uh, imdb ratings are one of those things, but yeah, I'm glad you said that. I would never think to do that. But obviously, obviously that's a perfect place for us to say, yes, we liked this movie because (laughs) we have all the book review sites. 
<laughs> right, right. People uh, nerd, nerd out on there. Yeah, not Amazon necessarily. I mean, maybe it'll be on Amazon, but Amazon doesn't really pay filmmakers much anymore, um, much at all. I think you get a cent per hour watched. Holy moly. Yeah, right. All right. So. I mean, I guess to be honest, I, I don't get paid much for my book anyway. So I could see why <laughs> a penny for a, a an hour of viewing time. All right. That's probably like 10 times what I make for a page of book reading. <laughs> anyway yeah it was it used to be uh yeah quite a bit like yeah 10 cents or something it used to be us artist types could make a living doing this art thing and now we have to have full-time jobs in addition to it um that's a whole nother conversation preston you're a delight and i just am so grateful that you've spent so much intentional time putting yourself out there and being vulnerable i know it's uh, some, sometimes it comes easily and other times it is a hard fought war that ends up benefiting multitudes. And it sounds like what you are creating is widening the arena for others to learn how to express themselves and find new avenues toward healing in their grief. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for listening to episode 38 of Restorative Grief. I hope you gained as much encouragement about creative ways to process grief as I did. I love the big question about what we're doing as a collective culture in the West about grief and what we can do differently. It's the whole reason I got into grief work in the first place. Connecting with other humans willing to do this vulnerable work in a way that impacts and inspires others is bringing the very grief literacy that we lack to the table. Loss isn't something we have to navigate alone. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, I want to thank you for making space in your day to reflect on such a difficult topic. I hope you'll choose to subscribe and leave a review because reviews help the audience find us when they need us. And before you go, I also hope you'll keep in mind that whatever creative way you move through loss is meaningful when it means something to you. One last thing, please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.